Wake up, buyer payer people. It's a beautiful day. Go grab yourself another cup of joe and say hello to Jim and Michelle Rhodes on the Buy Here, Pay Here morning show. Take it away, you two. All well, right. Good morning, hey, everybody. Good morning. Happy, Monday, folks. Happy Monday. Um, it is a great weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I, I cleaned the garage. Oh I gosh, even hosed the garage. the garage out and mopped the floor. She was wearing and a big part of the garage by the time she was <laughs> I done. I think I could have planted an entire planter box for the dirt that was all over me by the time I was done. <laughs> but it looks amazing. You it did a great it job. does. It, yeah. it, I was quite quite pleased with and it. And I was so. working on data for the upcoming yeah. uh, event. Got some uh, real progress. Week. Got some interesting stuff coming yeah. together already. So, uh, there's uh, um, There have been some emails that have gone out, and there's also um, we're going to be uh, – uh, posting some things on six uh, buyer payer success as well as the boardroom yep. for people to take a survey and, um, and, and get a discounted discount ticket. ticket. Yep. So uh, what else do we have? Before? Uh, of course, we still got August seats 1st. for the yeah. September event. I yes. learned this morning that one of the folks I was hoping would be there is not going to be there. So we still got that seat available. And mm -hmm. so let's, uh, yeah. yeah, folks who have an interest in, uh, you know, making a big pivot in their business or otherwise breaking out of a rut, maybe reach out if uh, you want to Absolutely. Talk about being uh, at that uh, three-day retreat. Oh, it's going to be a good one. Yep. It's really going to be a good one. Um, okay. And then uh, hello to all of our friends and the folks out at TIADA today. That's right. Texas kicking so off. So Texas is kicking off. And um, that's a pretty big conference for, for buy here, pay here. And yep. we got asked by a zillion people if we were going to be coming. And it's like, not this time. Okay. Um, but, it, you know, we'll, we're, we're here and we're there in spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like we're really, we're really trying to pioneer a way of being able to bring people together in a virtual world. Yep. And so that's kind of where our focus is. Mm -hmm. and, um, it's fun to be there at the conference, though, and all is. the great energy, it especially really, Texas has really got is. so many active dealers. Yes. And it's just a good group. Oh, of I people. remember last year I went, we went to the awards banquet ceremony and it was so fantastic. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, incredible. So today, Monday, we have a special guest yeah. and a really great topic. Yeah, um, we uh, we enjoy bringing smart people to the broadcast, so <laughs> so we don't have to answer all the hard questions. So, yeah, so we got so, Jason Goodman standing by, <laughs> joining us from. Are you back in Texas? Are you? Still I am. Here? Yep, I'm in Houston. Yeah, very Houston, nice. Very nice. Um, Welcome to the show. We've uh, you've been a guest with us on a seminar webinar before, and uh, we're happy to have you here. We got yeah. a lot of fun stuff to talk about around leads. Yeah, and. Uh, Jason is a former dealer. Why don't you tell the story? In fact, Jason, as you kind of share your background, I would love it if you shared your, your background with the mattress company as well. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so to Jim's point, you know, when you get smart people, if you can't find one, find me. I'll always do the show. Happy okay, to fill nice. in. Perfect. <laughs> um, you know, so I grew up uh, in the mattress and furniture industry. Um, I spent my first 20 years of my career doing that. Um, I spent a long time at Mattress Firm. When I was there, we had 250 stores when I started and almost 4,000 stores when I left. So I was able to do a variety of different things, got to see a bunch of different things. Uh -huh. I started in sales at the very bottom level and ended as the vice president of business development, overseeing all of the non-traditional retail channels or any of the problematic things that would come up with the organization from a operational standpoint. So um, I, that, that ranges from I ran our training department for a while, was in part of our, uh, I ran the franchising group, launched e-commerce with Mattress Firm way back in 2012 or 2013, 
Uh, right about that same time, we went public as a company, which was incredible. Um, part of e-commerce, though, and shopping for a mattress was we needed a call center. We needed a hot, it's more of a high touch product than just easy click and buy on Amazon, although a lot of people do that today. And so we built a call center with, along with the e-commerce. And then we did events and expositions. We did shows across the country, home shows, boat shows, uh, rodeos, where they were consumer events that we would bring the mattress firm brand and products in front of those consumers. And so in doing that, being in charge of that business development, I got to learn a lot about, you know, the 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 way you fail and succeed in business and how to manage a P&L and, and how to uh, grow a team of people from zero or one when I started to hundreds of people over the next few years. So um, really, really great experience there. Um, I did have a little bit more of an entrepreneurial drive than uh, what I could you know, do inside of Mattress Firm. So mm -hmm. I left to uh, run an event company. We did uh, concerts, conventions, corporate meetings, uh, really got to be part of our culture of the, uh, the clients that we had. We were really culture agents. We were trying to develop programs and processes for organizations to keep their culture or regain the culture that they had or to set a culture that they didn't have but only wanted. Mm -hmm through events and through a num number of other things. Um, and then uh, in my third career, I decided to get into the car business. Um, so a friend of mine who had worked at Mattress Firm, we worked together. His father was in the car business for three decades, almost four at that point. And um, he said he had 70 years experience because he started sweeping the floors at five and he was 75 uh, at the time. So 70 years experience. <laughs> Um, so I got to learn the business from him. And then y'all mentioned TIADA in the opening. Boy, I just jumped into all the meetings I could, whether it was the local chapter here in Houston, the Texas chapter, the national meetings. Um, and I just I, I didn't know anything. Right. I'm, I'm 30 years behind everyone else. And so I was able to gain the education specifically in the car business that I need, independent auto that I needed through TIADA and other uh, organizations like that. So like we met. big shout outs there for me. So yeah, yeah. that's where we met. That's wow. right. That is where we met. That's yeah. correct. Yes. And I watched y'all speak many times, frantically taking notes, hoping that I would remember uh, all the good lessons that I was hearing. Um, and, and to Jim's point, I was a car dealer. So we were a partnership, um, but I was the dealer principal, the one ran, running the show every day. Um, and we had uh, we set up three locations uh, throughout Houston. We had a, a mechanic shop, 30,000 square foot mechanic shop. We were selling between 100 and 150 cars a month um, with plans to grow far beyond that. But obviously COVID happened and cars, uh, the fluctuation of car pricing happened. We had an offer on our portfolio uh, that was good. And so we sold the portfolio and shut the business down last summer, which was interesting uh, to go through that process. But one of the things that's nice is like sitting in the dealer's seat, you you kind of see what's important to the dealer. And it's not always the same thing that the employees are looking at as important that day. Sure. So mm -hmm. um, and then to kind of wrap it specifically what we're talking about today, uh, one of the things that we got really good at because we didn't have any money was uh, marketing and and lead generation and getting customers into our stores. Mm -hmm. uh, we couldn't afford to spend the kind of money that you need to advertising used cars in Houston uh, digitally. And so we got really smart on how to do it and made more out of each lead as much as we could. 
Yeah. And so um, that's what I'm doing now. And we're focused on BDC and, and collections for businesses and any sort of business process that we can outsource uh, for folks. So your fifth, for, fourth or fifth career? <laughs> it depends on how you cut it, right? I had a few inside a mattress firm, really. And then, you know, yeah. the concerts and the conventions were like two industries. Yeah. And, and then all, I, isn't it lovely how they all just kind of do this? And it's like you have a, a much more it's a broader scope of everything in a whole than if you had just done like just events or just done, you know. Well, and I was thinking, I'm going to guess, and you were frantically taking notes about the car business, but I'm going to guess you ultimately learned that it's not so different than the mattress business and that it's, it's really about connecting with people and, and that whole sales process, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you have the, the added part in buy here, pay here specifically mm -hmm. about the three and four year relationship with the customer mm -hmm. to, to, to manage. But otherwise it's, um, it's really similar. I mean, there's a lot of things and I too, uh, you know, came up to the car business by way of I actually worked in a franchise dealership for a time as a salesperson and later as a sales manager. And one of the things I witnessed Jason, that was really interesting was you talked about that company going public. Ours didn't go public, but I was working for a very small uh, dealership that was bought out and it went from selling about 40 to 50 cars a month in a, a nice, you know, franchise location to about 200 in like a week. I mean, just flipped the switch. And so being there to witness all that was really fascinating. Yeah. A lot of things I learned there that were, you know, I find useful in my, my own management career, but I find that the car business, you know, for us, the buy here, pay your mm -hmm. side, you know, your, your, your folks who are buying mattresses, you know, this is just a bigger ticket transaction for mm -hmm. folks in a, in a car environment, you know, buying a buy here, pay your car in a tough credit situation. So uh, we should get to the conversation that folks yeah. are looking forward to talking about leads. Yeah. So in particular, I wanted to ask you about, we, we kind of set up the topic as being bad leads. We, we work with a lot of clients and, and help them try to, you know, dial in their processes, of course. And we hear a lot of people talk about either buying leads or their marketing is generating leads, but they, they sometimes describe them as bad leads. I've heard that you know? many times from dealers. Like, well, they're bad leads. They're getting, they're getting 200 leads a, a month and only closing a fraction of those. And it's because they're bad leads. So we want to hear from you. What is a bad lead? Well, you know, one of my favorite movies of all times is Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. And it always reminds me of the, if you've never seen it, there's a scene where the salespeople are claiming the leads are weak and the sales manager responds back, the leads aren't weak, you're weak. <laughs> so, well, that that yeah. actually, it brought up uh, George Spat. I don't know if you're familiar with George out of Florida. Um, he says, it's an important point. The dealer's priorities are not always the employee's priorities. I'm always amazed when a dealer client doesn't take a recommendation because their employees don't like it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's tough. You know, everyone lives in their own world, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that is definitely one thing I've seen across industry is people are people. And mm -hmm. so there's this extreme view of the leads are weak or coffee is for closers, as George said. <laughs> um, I, I love that great movie, uh, but it's an extreme view. And there is some truth to that. But actually, I think the quality of salesperson and buy here, pay here is higher than any other area that I've ever experienced. Huh. I really think they're dedicated, they're deliberate, they're steady, they're focused, they're really good, they're technical, uh, they work hard. And so I have nothing but respect for an auto salesperson or buy here, pay here salesperson. Yeah. The other side of the spectrum is the leads are actually weak sometimes, right? The leads are bad. And so it's hard to tell sometimes where the leads are bad because there's a number of different areas as you get closer from the ultimate marketing up here down here to the sale that happens. 
And so they can come from a number of different areas. The first thing that happens I see is people spend a lot of money on digital marketing, but they're using a firm that doesn't understand buy here, pay here. Our yeah. customer, although it's the same human being, they're shopping for different things. Like right. when I came into the business, I thought for sure we had started a car sales business. That's right. very easy. We did not. We created a finance company Thank that you. sells cars to get loans, right? Yeah. yeah. And so the process for the customer is different. They're, the fear and like lack of trust is so high with this customer. They just don't buy it. And, and for good reason, they've been lied to and, you know, they've done a little lying themselves maybe from time to time. Um, and so the messaging that goes along with it and where you're marketing, you can generate 200 leads that are subprime auto and they go to your website and you're smack in the face, apply now or cars that are that seem to be overpriced or get a bad rating on Kelly Blue Book for a bad deal. They quickly jump. And so. It, you can you can generate the wrong lead. They're maybe unqualified or they don't want buy here, pay here. And then the filtering through that, boy, that that really hurts. That's when you see dealers who say, I had 100 leads last month and I sold one or two maybe from that set of leads. Yeah. Um, I want to find that on the back end of our conversation, we have time. I want to talk a little bit about how to improve the quality of those leads. I think for today, we just talk about the leads that we are getting you know, how can we better manage those? And so, yeah, you know, obviously you can get an, a, a lead that comes in where the income. So I might think of it maybe instead of a bad lead, maybe it's a mismatched lead. Like you're talking about leads that are coming in that don't exactly fit our buy here, payer model. But then That's there's right. also a customer who comes in who, who just doesn't qualify. They either, they don't meet the income requirements or they have no down payment or whatever the circumstances might be that that's, but that I wouldn't call a bad lead. That's just a mistimed lead. That's a customer that we could potentially do business with later, right? That's right. And, um, you know, I think there's, that's the thing about, you know, buy here, pay here. When we look at it, there are things, if the customer's too far away, mm -hmm. they're in Louisiana and I'm in Texas, sure. I don't care how good of a customer it is or what their down payment is. I'm just probably not going to sell that car. Right. So there are qualifying things that help you narrow in your message. What do you say to a buy here, pay here sale uh, customer? How do you say it? And then, you know, kind of where is it going to be delivered to them? So and then how do you filter that customer as well? Mm -hmm. I think there's probably seven or eight, maybe 10 different ideas of where a lead goes bad. Um, the biggest one that we can control is the lack of follow up and the type of follow up that goes into a lead. We can make a good lead go bad very easily. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's maybe the title of it is uh, when when good leads go bad. Right. <laughs> That's actually a better yeah, title. We'll have yes. You back on Friday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's I I like that. So let's talk about that. Um, how you, you know you said not getting back. I mean, how is it? What does it look like when a, a good lead comes in and then it goes bad? Just get yeah. kind of paint a story for us. Well, you know, I think many. There's a difference, I think, in franchise dealerships today than there is an in independent auto. I mm -hmm. think the franchise dealership has really fine-tuned the BDC. They spent millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars developing these programs. They have really good technology that supports it. And they have fairly good response rates when it comes to when a lead comes in, how does that work? So we can learn a little bit from our our, our cousins in the in the franchise dealership world. 
Um, in the independent world, what I see oftentimes is that there's a uh, website that is, you know, crappy is the wrong word, right? <laughs> but like, uh, you know, that's. Jim, you agree with that word? Yeah, okay. Yeah, we're we're a pretty informal setup here. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some crappy websites out there, and you know what? I hear dealers say, you know, well, it was cheap. Uh, and that's true. It, I'm sure it was. And you know, I'm not suggesting anyone needs to spend tens of thousands of dollars on a website, mm -hmm. but the website has to be welcoming when you get there, because that's usually where you're driving your traffic is sure. to a website or to a landing page. Yeah. And so that's the first step. Like it's like you're playing a board game. The first stop is what's the website look like? Mm -hmm. Ew, it's gross. Or I can't find my information. I'm out. Mm -hmm. And so um, so you have to have a good looking website and then there has to be a path to create a lead for that customer. You'll see this with many shopping sites online today. It pops up. What's your email address? 10% off for your cell phone number. Those things are so valuable to some, uh, a retailer, a dealer. Uh, that's why everyone's asking for them. And we're getting way more comfortable with giving that information as well, mm -hmm. but it's gotta be easy and it's gotta be quick. And so this is another part of a website where I see a lot of buy here, pay here dealers putting obstacles in the way of getting the information that you need. Mm -hmm. So what happens often is that you click on a button, get approved. And then there's a 27 question, including your social security yeah. number uh, before you can hit submit. I don't want their social right now. I, I mean, if they're willing to give it to me, that might not be a good sign anyhow. And right. so if, but I want to know who they are so that I can begin communicating with them. Good. So, you know, that first level is that website and how they interact with the website. What does it look like? Does it have the right information? Is it easy to get information? Is it easy to provide information? Because that's all we're doing is kind of swapping info, right? We're, we're going to try to build some trust through that and through the whole process. But at first we just want to swap info. And the easier it is to do that, the more info we will get. So I have a question for you because, sure. you know, you're saying um, that the website needs to be welcoming so that you're you're suggesting that the that any lead that comes in goes to the website. A website or a landing page that was specifically right. built for the marketing that you're doing. Excellent. And and landing pages are a little more advanced for some folks. Um, and but that when you have a digital marketing agency that you're working with, they can create those pretty easily. Yeah. yeah. You know, make it helps it you with data. Jim talks about data. It'll help you with the data by using uh, a landing page. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you want to be able to to create a path that is easy to follow for for the customer. I just have one. Uh, well, not well, I have got lots of questions, but only one I'm going to give ask right now. You know, if if they're land, landing on a landing page or landing on a website, how prominent should cars be on that website? It's a great question. Um, it it can really depend. And I know that's a cop out answer. Um, but what I buy here, pay here is it, it just depends. <laughs> well, because here's the thing with buy here, pay here. If you get them too focused on the specific automobile, then you can really paint yourself into a corner, mm -hmm. right? I say it complicates the sales process sometimes. Yes. So what you really want to convey is we're a place that you can trust. We have information. We would like some information. And then our cars, it's a vast selection. Right, we have plenty of vehicles, and I one of the messages I think every dealer should put on their website, buy their inventory, is something to the effect of 
we get in new cars every day. Mm -hmm. This is not an exhaustive list of the automobiles that we have or something yeah. to that effect. Yeah, I yep. like that. I like that a lot. Um, and that's where I would like make the hero shot is like a truck unloading cars or an overview of your lot and all the different cars that they could see or a picture of an auction. And, and you know, the scrolling helps too, because then you can start to look at the data. And when people hit this picture, they leave. Or when they see this picture, they click on it. And so that's why I'm like, it's kind of, it depends. Because yeah. some of the smaller town places I've seen, they really do sell a little differently than some of the big city. You know, being here in Houston might be a little different than being in Nacogdoches, Texas. So, uh, but I do think it can be important. I think the most important thing, though, is putting people with those cars. Yeah. Uh, pictures of your customers buying. Yeah. Can we pause for a second? Pause. I would. I know that some of our folks will have to come and go. If you don't mind putting Jason's contact oh, information, gonna, I can absolutely. tell that what's going to happen is we're going to need to have Jason back because as you talk, Jason, I'm thinking of more and more things. And <laughs> if we try to just stay on the topic about lead conversion today, then we're going to need sure. to have you back multiple mm -hmm. times to talk about some of these things because it's it's really rich and it's really mm -hmm. important stuff for dealers to hear and think about because we certainly see it in our line of work. And we're Michelle and I both come from backgrounds where we have. Um, had involvement and had held management positions or ownership and, and marketing was part of what we did, right? Marketing, mm -hmm. branding, and, and lead generation. And so we have some experience there and we're happy to share that. We can just tell you yeah. have more specific experience in certain disciplines. And you've measured. Elements. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah. as a manager, we've heard the thing about you can't manage what you can't measure. So that's why the data nerd in me says, you know, I'm working with our clients, we're trying to help them measure what's going on so we can mm -hmm. figure out what we're spending you know, and what's obviously what's effective so we can direct our budget. But I think, you know, before we get to all that, we just can just stay kind of on this idea of how do we, how do we, let's walk through the lead process. Like I would love to go back even to how we even get people to our <laughs> Jim's website. like, Michelle, you're scrolling on websites. It's all right. See, she's, yeah, no, well, look, I think it's important, but I hear what you're saying, Jim. I, I can get yeah, yeah. there, yeah. No, I think we just, if we kind of stay through, because I would love to come back and talk more about how do we get people to our website to begin with. And then yeah, we yeah. want the website to be a good experience. Right. But if we think about that, if somebody hits, let's just talk about all kinds of leads, whether they're in a Facebook yeah. Messenger thing yeah. or they're in a, uh, in our, on our website, then, you know, what would be the process that you would recommend that, you know, what's, what's our first thing that we do? Like, what's a time frame for responding first? Yeah. So I would say that the technology needs to be coupled with the humans. So what happens oftentimes is you can go put in lead, you know, go make a request at 15 different dealerships for a new car, mm -hmm. or anything from a Land Rover to a buy here, pay here dealer. And you'll get responses back very quickly, oftentimes. So a quick response is important, but a non-human quick response is less valuable than a human response. So I fill out the information online, boom, I get an email back or I get a text message back. That's great. But then I get a text message that says, hey, this is Michelle from, you know, buy here, pay here dealership ABC. And I would like to talk to you if you have some time. What's a good time for you to talk today? Again, I was taught in the car business, never give information without following it with a question. Mm -hmm. So if you, that's a very simple thing to look at when you look at the programming in your CRM. Mm -hmm. Does it end with a question? If you're just dropping information, mm -hmm. it's the yeah. end. Yeah. Better than nothing, yeah. uh, but it's not It's not helpful. So you're trying to lead this sale, just like we're taught in the car sale, right? So we're trying to lead the sale. Mm -hmm. So you give some information back quickly and you ask a question. <clears throat> the question can be a number of different things. And it should be some human operating. 
what I see with dealerships oftentimes is the only human interaction they get is between 9 and 11 a.m. Because we come in, we get our cup of coffee, we go open up the CRM, and we tap, 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 and respond to the leads, which is good. But most of our customers aren't active at 9 to 11 a.m. They're either working or sleeping. And yep. so um, that uh, what I, the second step is, is quick response, human response if possible. Then the next thing is communicating with them at the right time. The unfortunate part is many of the CRMs in the auto space do not let you set up what time you're going to communicate to someone when you're building out sequencing. So if you're building out a sequence to say, I'm going to respond immediately, then day one, day five, day seven, day 17. If you respond to them at 8 a.m., that's annoying. If you respond to them at 12 p.m., you know, at 11 p.m., that's annoying too. And yeah. so you got to find when is the right time. Usually it's somewhere in the after, late afternoon, early evening. That's your best time to communicate to a buy here, pay here customer. And so if you can schedule your CRM to set those up, if you can't complain to your CRM provider or change CRM, it's that important. So one of the uh, things I enjoy about listening to you talk about is you, you seem to feel the same as I do about mm -hmm. this idea of, you, you want to use your own skills to be able to communicate with somebody. And ideally we would get them on the phone and move the thing along. So I'm, I'm curious to know, and I didn't, didn't prepare you for this question, but just a ballpark. Like if I came to work for, for you and your BDC and I started taking in leads, approximately what percentage of folks would you expect that I would probably get on the phone? That you'd get on the phone to talk with, with your voice? Yeah. Mm, fairly low. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, you know, it, it can vary from dealer to dealer, but you should be able to get out of like, if there's a hundred actual leads, like these are leads, mm -hmm. how many of them did you talk to versus text versus Facebook message? Sure. Maybe a third, a third, a third, um, again, depending on your marketing strategy, okay. but people don't like to talk on the phone anymore. Right. Sure. So uh, text messaging to me is just as good as verbal communication. Okay. And that's, that's good. I think, um, with some, we can move it along. I just, I like to talk on the phone if I can get them on the phone, but I know young people are much more, you know, inclined to do text and that's all good. I just think I'd like to give the customer the option, whatever method they would prefer, however they'd prefer yes. to communicate, let's get that done and let's get, let's get moving. Let's on get the phone is the best for sure. Like that's your ideal. That's like a, a, a getting a text message is a B uh, Facebook message or email is probably a C or a D. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, Facebook has some really cool, auto bots that you can create that will um, chat bots that will automatically respond um, right. to the, that in, in some really kind of pseudo scary uh, ways, how good. They're <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. all that AI stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, pretty creative. so yeah, I think that that helps me to understand, like we're going to communicate right away and we're going to try to communicate at a time. You you're basically what I'm hearing is, you know, we, we need to be prepared to keep the dialogue going because I always used to hear, and I don't know what the numbers are in buy here, pay here, used to be in the new car business when I was around there. They would say back then, this is late 90s when I was in the new car business, they would say, you know, when, but from the first time you make contact with a customer, they will have made a purchase within 72 hours. I don't know if we have any good data on that in buy here, pay here, but. I, I, I don't think that is true in buy here, pay here. Okay. Um, I think the, the, so again, I know the stats from my dealership mm -hmm. and every month, we would make between eight and 12% of our sales with leads that were six months old or oh, older. Wow. Wow. Which is so 
massive. What you yes. just said is yes. so massive. Um, I have the opportunity with a lot of our clients to get into their CRM and see how they are ranking them and, you know, what their follow-up um, procedures are. And so many of them, it's like, it's, it's, they're marked as um, lost, dead, um, whatever. And sometimes they may have some automation that will reach out to them after, but six months, there are very few dealers out there that have their system set up so that there is a reach. Why? Why is it that it's uh, up to six months? Because we don't actually, uh, well, so there's two reasons. We don't know about it because we don't measure that data many mm -hmm. times, right? And so I didn't know about it either, but we measured the data and we found out that it was true. And so we kept our leads open. The other part is CRMs oftentimes will close a lead automatically after 30 or 60 days, mm -hmm. um, which is true in the new car side. In the mattress business, it's 72 hours and you're in and you're out. Yeah. People don't play around with that purchase. Mm -hmm. They need it. So they're focused yeah. on it. Your back's hurting. So they need to solve that. Like Correct. Tomorrow, right? and, but buy here, pay here. They might have a little extra cash in their pocket today. Mm -hmm. So they're thinking new car. That cash goes away. They're stopped thinking new car. Yeah. They get some more cash. They're thinking new car. <laughs> right. And so this yeah. is the world, right? You got to hit them at the right bump. Yeah. Or so that's why you got to stay communicating for a yeah, long time. Yeah, I love it. Or the husband says, I'm going to chop for a new car. And then the wife comes in and says, we can't afford a new car. And then you never hear from him. So or, you know, and, and this is, this kind of goes back to, I, I'm, hopefully I'm not like derailing the conversation again. Um, but about price is that there's that we scare people off when they're first looking because there's this massive price and they go to Kelly blue book and it's like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is so big. Um, we do understand in our industry that if someone is subprime, likely that's going to be their option. Mm -hmm. But when they're first stepping in and we have a lot of people that are now getting categorized as subprime that were not subprime before. And so um, and and so it's going to be a little bit of a shock on on some of yeah. that. So Which I, is why you have to have that, that better look, that better path of communication, the better sequencing, because yeah. if you want a better customer, they're not just going to drive into your lot. I, I think I think most dealers, if they're doing it right, not I shouldn't say most, if a dealer is doing their digital marketing and marketing correctly, following up appointment setting, all those things, they should have between 60 to 80 percent of their sales that are generated non walk in. Uh, non-repeat referral. And so if you're getting 60 or 80% of your sales through walk-in, then you have a huge opportunity to sell more cars. Yeah. Amen. Yep. Amen. Yeah. Very good. And we see that obviously with some of our clients as well. But yeah, I think, you know, again, I can just tell there's so, so much. There really is. And we're going to have you back probably yeah. multiple times would, to talk you know, about so, To wrap up just really quick, just so that like the key to me of what making sure that a lead stays good is the things we talked about. But then once you get to communicating, that's when you really have a lead. I don't believe in a lead unless you've communicated with them, good. Facebook message or whatever. You have their information. You've communicated to them. You now have a deeper level of lead. So at that point, it's all about appointment setting and following up. And I don't think I'm, this is no big like, holy cow, I never thought of that. We know it, but we don't do it. And then when they don't show up to the appointment, the follow-up afterwards of why and what can I do, or if they do show up to the appointment, we also like to follow up with that customer mm -hmm. to find out how their experience was. Mm -hmm. That yeah. helps the BDCs 
watch a sale go from a marketing lead to an actual new customer and they get to feel it a little bit more. The customer gets to feel that connection as well. Sure. Well, and you mentioned when we first started that that uh, salespeople in car and in the auto space and buy here, pay here, you know, you were like hats off. Um, uh, when when you look at uh, you know it's it's one thing when someone lands on the lot and a salesperson that can can walk them through that um, are are most in in your experience are most salespeople good at lead um, nurturing no no I I would say oh. as much bad about them in that in that way as I do good in the sales ability and their efforts and. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not because look, I don't think salespeople. I'm again, I I can say it. I grew up as one. We're not always super detail oriented. We're not always. We don't want to pick up the phone and make thirty calls every morning and thirty calls every afternoon and send the messages and follow. And then you have this this. There's this antithetical purpose, right? Like, do I deal with the customer in front of me, or do I deal with the customer that's messaging or calling? And it's hard to balance those two. So it's not within my brain wiring. I'm good at sales. People who are wired that way are often not as good at sales. And so we have different, we're different people. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus, so to speak, right? We're all different. And so it's a matter of having that process and procedure structured for them. And then, you know, taking the time away from customers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to uh, quickly, I don't know if you put this message up, but uh, I want to also show the tile before we wrap up so we can show dealers. But this last comment from George about the. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. He just because he, he, he said, and I'm absolutely right. So George says a phone call by definition is an interruption, which is true. Uh -huh. If I had a phone call, I would be texting somebody and saying, are you available for a call? You know, it would just be I would be texting. Mm -hmm. And if they're OK, we'll jump on the phone and talk because I feel like my approach to sales is that as a salesperson, I'm a professional problem solver. And if you have a problem today, if we jump on the phone, I could solve it for you much more quickly. So it's out of the spirit of helping mm -hmm. you move, the, solve mm -hmm. your problem in the quickest way possible. Yeah. So it's that's the approach that I would bring. But if you want to show the data, I think it would be helpful, Jason, to be able to share with dealers a little bit about. Do you want to uh, do what, we add that? Yeah, yeah, show it. Yeah, oh, go yeah, and show the things. Yeah, like we'll we can talk that. through these numbers that you shared because I think it's helpful for dealers to say, well, what kind of what kind of leads are bad? Like what percentage should I be closing? You want to share with people what they're seeing on the screen? Yeah, and and I and I first want to share that these numbers are only for illustrating the yeah. per, the you know it's these are not any specific dealers numbers. These are more through a conversation with other dealers, seeing what our clients do, what I did as a dealer, mm -hmm. and more to illustrate the point. Okay, yeah. so like. Each column represents something different. Good performance. You know, this is what I see. You know, when, when a dealer's doing a really good job, they end up with, you know, let's say out of 250 leads. Again, that marketing awareness up top, there's 10,000 people that these are eyes and ears. You'll hear marketing people mm -hmm. talk about. You're They're aware of your brand and there's 10,000 people. That number could be 20,000. It could be 5,000. It creates, let's say, 250 leads. Mm -hmm. um, so then that's when like, I've actually talked to that customer. I have their information. They've responded to me. They're a lead. We move to that next level, which is an appointment set. Like the customer agreed via text, email, phone call to an appointment. And so if you're doing a good job, you might get 45% of those leads to turn into a commitment for an appointment. Yeah. Whereas if you go to the next column over, you can see the difference if you're at First of all, if you're at 150 leads versus 250 leads, and then you take that 45% versus 20%, and you can already see the attrition of your marketing dollars. 
Because you're spending the same amount to get that marketing awareness at 10,000, whatever made up number that is. So then the customers who will set an appointment, let's say 35% of them actually come in. So now uh, I think that number might be wrong on my math there. My formula may not have four, uh, carried over. Because <laughs> uh, I think 35% of 100 is 35. Even I can do that in my head. Um, so and it, it nets out to some sort of sales, 12, 15 yep. sales, whatever. Okay. What is more common is the column and the, uh, the second column over which is you get 150 leads, you end up with one or two or three sales from that. Yeah. And you wonder how can that happen? Well, because we're taking 150 leads and we didn't set very many appointments. And right. if we did set the appointments, we weren't following up. So very few of them actually came in the store. Yeah. Another level you can add in this that I had in my own personal marketing dashboard was application. Like, did they fill out the application? And that's what I put in kind of the, there's a best in class performance <clears throat> where you could take maybe 300 leads and turn them into 44 sales. Yeah. And let's say if that world works, that's great. The difference between the last two columns is what I like to refer to as a real approval. There are very few dealers who do this, but I think this is the holy grail of buy here, pay here, BDC, which is getting the customer to commit to appointment and then fill out the credit app and then submit all the steps and then all of that packet of information is handed to the underwriting department the general manager the owner whoever makes the decisions mm -hmm. uh, as jim says as close to the owner as possible right mm -hmm. so the then they get the decision before the customer comes in and then you get to that bottom right hand number that says 90 percent closing ratio i think that most buy here pay here salespeople if the customer is able to buy and the customer wants to buy, that salesperson will sell them. There's so many times where salespeople spend an hour, hour and a half or more working with a customer only to get declined. In fact, real closing ratios are closer to 30 or 40 percent inside of buy here, pay here dealers, from mm -hmm. my experience. Right. Mm -hmm. Even though they could be much, much higher, especially if you bring that customer in with a real approval. And by the way, the, you'll also get more people that come in for the visits because they know they have a real approval and they know how much they need to put down. And this deal has already been structured and underwritten. So there's no question of approvals. I know. So, yeah. That's, I have some dealers listening who are going to hear the same thing that I used to hear, which is, but if I approve them, then they'll know they qualify and they'll go shopping somewhere else. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, there's an excuse for every strategy for but, sure. Yeah, and yeah. So I don't think that's the case. I actually think that there's more data and experience to show that a customer who gets a real approval will come to see you. Yeah. They didn't get to you because they haven't tried the Ford dealership already. Well, yeah, I follow that. And, and I think it goes back to the connection. If we have some good connection with them, we they like dealing with us. It's kind of what Michelle and I talk about all the time uh -huh. on the marketing side. If we've established some level of being known, liked, and trusted, then a real approval just means I can do business with the people I know, like, and trust, and I can get it all done quickly. And that's a beautiful scenario, right? So That's right. And yeah. many CRMs are available to be able to do that today. Some are much better than others. You have premium ones like Neo, and then you have some of the lower end ones that aren't quite as uh, capable. And so, uh, but even if you don't have the CRM, it's easy to build a little website to be able to upload that stuff on a phone and get the information. Heck, have them text message it to you through your phone or email it. There are so many ways to get the steps and underwriting done before the customer comes into the store, that saves everybody time. Your salespeople will appreciate it, your sales managers, 
the underwriting department, then and most importantly, the customer. Yeah. So we probably should wrap up. Let's yeah. figure out a time to have you back because <laughs> I, we didn't get to some of our questions. There's yeah. so much automations and all kinds of stuff to talk about. Uh, we'll figure out a time. Yeah, we'll, figure out a we'll, time. we'll figure out a time that works for you. In the meantime, I think uh, folks can expect to tune in. And I, I'm going to embarrass Jason. I'm a, I've been thinking, you know, for those of you who are old enough to know who Depeche Mode is, uh-huh. is we have Jason on. I'm thinking he's going to become our own personal morning show Jesus. So he's going <laughs> to. So we're going to have him in. He's going to be our sales lead management guru. So, I love it. So, I, dude, I, no, I hope that didn't embarrass you, Jim. No, no. It, it, uh, blasphemy aside, I, uh, it's not the first time I, I've, I've heard that <laughs> one. Sure. You know, during COVID, having the mask to cover up our faces, oh. it made me look so much better. So the oh. beard kind of, you know, just cover it. The more I can cover up, the better. Thanks for uh, playing along. Um, hey, Jason, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Sure. We will Thanks have you again soon. If you want to just uh, hang tight backstage until after we're done so we can chat with you um, after we've closed everything up and then uh, and then we'll figure but, out. Yeah, thanks. That was really back. great information. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Um, let me pull the banner. He's a good sport. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. Um, all right. So thank you so much for, for joining us today. I think this really some good, rich information about, um, how can we, you know, it's, it's funny in, in when we talk to our different clients is that there are a plethora and I did say plethora. (laughs) You did. Thank you, um, Michelle. That means a lot. Okay. It's an old joke. It's an internal joke. Um, but there are so many different ideas that we can use to help move that needle just a little bit. And, you know, this is just one of them is like, is, is being able to improve sales and, and, you know, an extra one, two, five, ten sales a month make a difference. And so, or contracts written. So, yeah. So they're just, we barely scratched the surface today. There's so much to talk about on this subject. So yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, absolutely. There's lots and lots and lots of meat on this. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Enjoy the rest of your week. Don't forget to get signed up for that August 1st event. If you don't know how to just email us, jump on uh, bhphnationtv.com and and get signed up for that August 1st event. Lots of rich numbers to talk about over there. All right, guys, have a fantastic week and we will chat with you all um, on Wednesday. Thanks again for joining us.